Hey, Lily. I I hear you got a new job. I have. I have just started. It's fantastic. I am now the Chief Product Officer at BBC Maestro. Oh, God, that is such a cool title. But tell me, as part of the interview process, did you did you need to do a presentation? I did. How did you know? Because they always come up and I hate them. I hate them so much. I mean, I get why they ask us to do them, but I always worry they don't have the context to give the right answers or that I don't know what the interviewer is actually looking for or that, you know... Randy, uh... Randy, Randy, calm down. I have the answer for you. Or rather, Ed Biden does. He's been CPO at FutureLearn and held leadership roles at Depop and the Spanish unicorn Job and Talent. And he's showing the model he uses whenever he gets asked to do a presentation. And it's really good. I will definitely be saving it for later. Ooh, that's great. Quite handy, actually. Does he cover the worst assignment question of all time? You know, the the 30, 60, 90 day plan? He does. And it's a great answer. So let's not waste another 30, 60 or 90 seconds more <laughs> on this intro. <laughs> Product Experience is brought to you by Mind the Product. Every week on the podcast, we talk to the best product people from around the globe. Visit mindtheproduct.com to catch up on past episodes and discover more. Browse for free or become a Mind the Product member to unlock premium content, discounts to our conferences around the world, and training opportunities. Mind the Product also offers free product tank meetups in more than 200 cities. And there's probably one near you. Ed, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast tonight. How's everything going? Yeah, really good. Thanks for having me on. So for people who don't already know you, can you just give us a quick intro? So tell us, how did you get into product and what are you up to these days? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been doing product management for about 12 years now. Um, I started out in the games industry, building social and mobile games. And then about five or six years ago, I pivoted into building community products and marketplaces. I led the product team at Depop. I became CPO at FutureLearn, the EdTech marketplace. Uh, And at the beginning of this year, I was SVP of product at Job and Talent, which is a Spanish unicorn. And then just a few weeks ago, I launched Hustle Badger, which is uh, my own company uh, designed to give PMs the skills they need to succeed. So what we do is we interview experts and then we create very detailed how-to guides, templates, and case studies for people to use in their day-to-day jobs. Excellent. So as you're changing jobs, there's something that comes up again and again, which is what we wanted to talk to you about tonight. Um, There's always this stage in a job interview, you get to the final round if you're lucky enough, and they ask you for a presentation. And we never see other people's presentations. We don't know what's good. And there's so many challenges because you're coming in with not, you know, they're giving you this assignment of tell us how to do our strategy or tell us how to solve this problem. But you don't have nearly as much information about their customers and the problem as they do. So given all that, why why do we ask people to do presentations in the first place? Yeah, I think this is a, a great question. And for me, I mean, part of the answer is, when you're interviewing someone, you're basically trying to work out whether they are suitable for the job. And in a limited period of time, the kinds of tasks and questions you can ask someone, like none of those techniques have a particularly high correlation with how they'll perform in the job. So 
the studies I've seen suggest that even the best interview techniques on their own have a correlation of you know, 0.3 to 0.4 with uh, role performance. And given that, you know, actually the fact that presentations then aren't that good is, you know, it, it's in the context of nothing is that good. And presentations are still giving you some of the things that you need. So as a product leader, your communication, strategic thinking, these are core skills. And you get a read on that when you ask someone to do a presentation. And then also, depending on the topics that you ask someone, you open up the conversation to kind of dive deep into their experience and see how they think about different problems. And that gives you a lot of uh, kind of signals about whether they're going to be able to execute in the role. So it's it's not perfect, but it's it's kind of something. Okay, so before we dive into what makes a good presentation and how to do this, how to ace it, uh, just to be clear, the job to be done with this is not necessarily to get the answer right, but it's to explain how you think critically about things, how you wor- approach things, how you'd work with other people. Is that really what you're trying to get across? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really nice way of phrasing it, like what is the, what is the job to be done? Because it's absolutely not to just answer the task. And sometimes companies aren't very good at asking good tasks. You know, people don't hire to fill roles. They hire to solve problems. And so you need to show that you're a solution to the problem that they have. And that generally means that you can show that you have the experience, the credibility, uh, the know-how to you know, do whatever they need to do. And so if they haven't asked a very good task that allows you to demonstrate all of those things, then uh, my advice would be to really bend the, the, the kind of uh, the brief uh, as much as is reasonable to cover the areas that you think you need to talk about. So if we have to put one of these decks together for a job interview, where do we start in order to really make sure that we do a very good job? Yeah, so I, I think this depends on the the role that you're you're being hired for. So at the at the senior level, so if you're talking about a VP or a CPO role, then typically the presentation will be almost like the the climax of the interview process, and it will follow one-on-one interviews with a bunch of other uh, people in the organization, a lot of executives. So those earlier interviews you can use and you should use to kind of understand as much as you can about the strategic context and the current operational kind of situation at the company. And that you can then feed into your answer about the the deck. If you're going in for more like a group PM role or, or just a PM role, then you'll be given a bit more guidance and you should probably stick to a bit more like what are they, they, they they've probably got like a very specific role in mind that they want you to do. Whereas for a leader, I think um, they often don't really know what good is. Um, and part of your job is, is, is showing them, Hey, th- this is what good, a good CPO looks like and can do. So if you're trying to pitch it at the right level, depending on the job role that you're going for, let's just ignore the dog in the background. Um, <laughs> are you really doing this as a presentation or is there an opportunity in this process to make it more of a discussion and kind of ask questions about the, the kind of topics that you're covering as part of the presentation so that you're learning about the business as well as presenting to them your kind of assumptions and thoughts and ideas? Yeah, I, th- I think these these presentations are almost always framed as discussions and uh, yet almost always run as pretty much as presentations. So I think if you can genuinely you know, have points of discussion in there, that, that can be useful. 
And if you can say, hey, well, you know, you asked me this question and there's a couple of different approaches here with these different trade-offs. So you could go this way if this trade-off is really important to you, or you go this other way if these other things are important to you. That can be really powerful because it shows that you can be you know, flexible to the approach of the, of the company. Um, but ultimately, I think the audience for these kinds of, of tasks, they, they, they want to see what you can do. They don't want to be kind of giving you all the answers or, or wasting too much time just kind of like uh, talking about things at a, a fairly superficial level. So I would try and make it somewhat interactive, but you, you need to show that you've got a lot of depth there. You can't just go in and be like, let me ask you a question. And it was so something we should have mentioned at the top and we'll mention it now. Um, you've put together a deck that you didn't did for an actual job, whether you share that actual deck or a sanitized version. So we won't mention the specific job at this point, but you are sharing that on hustle badger. So anyone who's interested, you can see Ed's approach to this. Um, one of the things I saw in the deck was you marked some slides with hypothesis and some with discussion. Talk a little bit about why you did that. What's the, the purpose for that? Yeah. And I think, you know, typically, again, for these very senior like product leader, like VP, CPO level roles, what I've seen is that almost always people are asking the same questions, which is, what do you think our strategy is? Or how would you frame our strategy? And then how would you execute on it? And, and usually that has a, an emphasis on what would the team look like? Or how would you structure the team? So putting hypothesis or for discussion on some of the slides, like particularly the the strategy slides then allows you to kind of have some leeway because you, you'll have picked up some things from those, those earlier interviews, like I, I was speaking about, and you'll be able to kind of infer some stuff from, um, you know, what's out in the public, but there'll still be some pretty big unknowns there. And you're going to be doing this in a limited amount of, of time. So your strategy is always going to have a huge amount of assumptions in there and that's worth flagging. And then on the team side, whilst the kind of basic structure is always pretty much the same, um, there's always some kind of, uh, you know, trade-offs about, you know, well, what exactly does engineering think their kind of role is? Where does data sit? Is that part of product or part of engineering or somewhere else? And, you know, who else is involved in, in the in the organization? And so being aware of those dynamics and kind of flagging that, you know, there's some flexibility there also shows that you're a good team player and uh, can work with the other people and the, and the, and the kind of culture that's in place. Um, so at, in the deck, there's three sections. So let's go through them in, in order. Um, so just uh, the overview, you have an introduction, then you go into the strategic framework, uh, and then uh, finally a tactical deep dive. So very quickly, the intro. Um, you've already met these people probably at least once. They've got your CV. They've got your LinkedIn. What's the point of this section? What are you trying to do with it? Yeah, I mean, th this was, for this particular case, it was specifically asked by uh, the company in question. So it was very quick to do, so I just left it in. The second reason was that, you know, in case anyone joins the call that you haven't met before or they get shared, because often they're recorded and they might be shared with other, other team members, then it gives you a chance to introduce yourself. And thirdly, it's just that extra kind of opportunity to really emphasize the aspects of your experience that make you the perfect match for the role. And I think like positioning yourself really is like, hey, I, you know, I was born to do this and I've been training for 10 years and all these other companies just to kind of help you out is, is very powerful for people. And how about the strategic framework? What does that entail? Um, because I guess 
and I guess this is more probably for those senior roles um, rather than the the sort of midweight junior. Yeah. So I like to say something about firstly just setting the scene and say like, hey, you know, I can talk a little bit about strategy, but obviously, um, you know, this is going to be a, a fairly high level approach to this. And I typically mention, you know, like to create a strategy, there's going to be analysis. You're going to do some qualitative uh, research, you're going to do some quantitative research, you're going to speak to a bunch of people to get their buy-in and to kind of bounce your ideas off, and then you're going to pull it all together into the final thing. And then, like, that's, you know, one or two slides just to kind of, like, talk through my approach and to give them the confidence that I'm not just going to write this all on my own and then kind of, like, slap it on the organization. I'm actually going to do this collaboratively with the people there. And then I like to run through what I think is, you know, should be in a, a good strategy. So, that has a number of elements and it and then leads into the, the execution bit. But basically for me, a good, a good strategy covers the mission, the vision, who are the users and what are their needs? What are the, the powers of the company? And by that, I mean, what are the sources of sustainable competitive advantage? And therefore, what are the strategic pillars of the, uh, of the strategy? Like, where are you going to focus and, and why? And then you can you can flesh that out a bit with some examples. But then typically for each of your pillars, you'll have a team or a tribe. And that then leads you on to execution and questions about how to structure the team and and, uh, other things you'll want to cover later on. So you'll have a kind of this is how I approach strategy um, part. But then you will actually include some like assumptions around what those strategic pillars might be for the business based, I guess, based on previous conversations and what you've learned about the business in the rest of the interviews. Yeah. And, and honestly, I think, you know, the, the mission is probably publicly available. We've been told about it. The vision is typically you can come up with something based on the conversations that you've had and what you know about the, the business, the, the users, unless you know, they've got a bit like a really obscure business, in which case I don't know why you'd be interviewing there. You probably can think about, you know, what, who are their users and what their needs might be. And if you give three needs, three core needs, you know, maybe only one of those three or two of those three is correct, but that's enough to kind of steer you in the right direction and give you something to talk about. The powers is always um, relative to different categories of competitors. So usually against incumbents, against challenges and maybe there's one or two specific competitors so that's again something you can typically get a read on externally and then the pillars will kind of flow out of that and you'll you'll probably have a blind spot about what is the state of the internal tech architecture or capabilities or or something but it'll be good enough that you can start a conversation on that and i'd actually say like even if this was day one of you doing the job rather than sort of the last day of you not doing the job, um, then having that kind of straw man as a starter for, for the strategy is so valuable for focusing on, on where you should do your research and what are the conversations you should have. Um, it's, it's much better than starting with a blank sheet of paper. How much time would you spend on this, um, on this entire document before we go into the final <laughs> section? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, so this one is, I think it's about 25 slides. And I think I spent maybe six or eight hours on this. Now, I should also say, so it's, it's, it's about a day's work, which, you know, maybe it's like a couple of evenings or, or something. Um, 
because I found a lot of these tasks are so similar, then actually every time I do a new one, effectively, I just take my old deck and I create a copy and I change the color scheme to the new company's color scheme. And I kind of like change some of the, you know, the details in the boxes and I end up with something that I feel pretty good about. And, you know, there's obviously like custom, you know, slides in there and the thinking is all customized to the particular company. But that's just to say, if you were going to create these 25 slides from scratch, it might take you a little bit longer. But there is a template mm. on Hustle Badger. <laughs> and have you got every single one of the jobs that you've used this template in? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I have actually. I think at least <laughs> well, there them. we yeah. go. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so let's go through. Uh, there's one more section, and then a, there's a piece that's not there that I'm curious about. So let's go through the tactical deep dive. So what are you trying to do with this part? You've already described the strategy. This is about the execution. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think this is kind of becomes a lot more um, where you get to demonstrate that actually you're not just sort of like an ivory tower thinker or a consultant who can do the thinking, but actually you, you've got the hands-on experience to get this done. So um, depending on exactly how the question has been phrased and the conversations you've had, this might focus like more on the on the process side of things or more on the people side of things or a combination of both. But here, what I've seen um, and, and also what I've seen of other other kind of candidates doing similar interviews is the best ones really kind of like roll through like, hey, this is how I structure a team. This is what makes a team function. Because when you start having conversations about these are the success criteria for a cross-functional squad and these are the common modes of failure for you know, a product organization overall, the points that you cover are, it's not very many words and it can be applied to any company, but that kind of sets you up for a series of conversations actually in the interview that allow you to demonstrate a huge amount of experience and kind of practical know-how that then gives you a huge amount of credibility. And it's, I say, incredibly often or like almost always, I've seen that when you start talking about these things, then people will be like, oh yeah, we've got that problem. Oh yeah. And you'd be like, yeah, that's great. You've got that problem. I can solve that problem. I've done it before in my other role. I did this. And so that that's kind of part of this this job to be done. Like you're, you're proving that you're the solution, not just answering the question. Okay. Let me ask about this section I didn't see in your deck, which is something that's come up again and again, which is the 30, 60, 90 day plan, some variety of that. Why is that not here? Is that in a mission? Is that deliberate? How do you answer that if it does come up? Um, yeah, good question. I mean, I've, I've, I've definitely seen that before in, in these sorts of questions. I've generally found that those sorts of questions give quite bland answers when I've seen them. Like, there are lots of templates on the internet and they're generally fairly generic. I think, again, if I was asked that, I wouldn't give a 30, 60 day, 90 day plan. What I do is... I'd show a template that I use when I go into new jobs, which is my product audit. So it's a spreadsheet. It has three or four questions for each of my main kind of topics. So strategy, uh, execution, people. And it th- those questions are then things of like, you know, how well do we understand who our audience is and have that clearly defined across the company? That'd be like one example question. And that is meant to be sort of answered in a workshop setting with three or four people who have a stake in the product organization. So probably the CTO, maybe the 
you know, director of design, uh, the CEO um, and the CRO would be ideal. Um, and as you start going through those, you start to work out what are the areas that you need to focus on and which areas are actually in pretty good shape as you're coming in as a product leader and which areas need immediate attention. And then I'd say the other element to that is that not all of those levers are, um, you have an equal time to act on or, or, or time to value. So strategy, you can spend as much or as little time as you on as you want, but it's a dependency for everything else. So if you haven't done any strategy or there is no strategy, you kind of have to start that off immediately because otherwise, how do you know what your team should be? Because you don't know what you're building. Then on the, the, the process side and the execution side, that can be very, very quick to change, but it's basically like pointless in changing it if you don't have a strategy and you don't have the right people. And then on the people side and building the team, that has the longest lead time. Because, you know, if you've got to change people or like hire new people, then obviously that's going to take, you know, probably a few months. And so you need to get a read on that as quickly as possible and get that emotion. But it's dependent on the strategy. And then I think so. So that would be kind of the core of my my answer would be around that process and how I think about that. And it's sort of like, how do you assess where the organization needs support the most? Because it's never like you're just going to do all the strategy and then you're going to do all the execution and then something else. It's like, you've got each of these, these areas and you need to th- figure out where you're going to spend time now. And then when do you need to transition to the next one? And then I think there's kind of the other bits I'd probably also mention are ideally when you start, you want to carve out two, three, four weeks when you are not having your time drained by like the whirlwind of everyday business. So you are going to as few regular leadership meetings, team meetings, like weekly commitments as possible to carve out time for you just to understand what's going on. So if there's an opportunity to not prep for the board meeting, not go through the regular OKR process, all these things that typically you'd be spending time doing, you should absolutely do that. And, And you should try and agree that before you join. Second thing is you've got to go and meet the team. You've got to go and meet your own product team. You've got to go and meet your, your kind of peers on the, uh, the leadership team. And, and even if you don't think it's, you know, you're going to have to rehire the entire product team, which I've been told several times uh, going into new roles and never had to do, um, you still got to go and meet them, right? Because they will have a perspective on, on what's going on and you will need their buy-in to make any changes. So you can't just do things and then impose it on the team. And the third thing I'd say there in this kind of like general advice is you've got to go and speak to some users and get some firsthand experience. Um, because even though, you know, your sample size will end up being like very small in the first few weeks, like carving out that time to do your own user research very quickly becomes very, very difficult. And it's invaluable in kind of like grounding you in the, uh, like day-to-day experience of both your users and then the teams who have a lot of that knowledge already. So you, you need to be able to kind of go toe-to-toe with them like very quickly in terms of empathy for the user. I love that. Some very sound advice there. So you talked there as well about, you know, potentially having to rehire your own team or not. <laughs> so case maybe um, when you're doing hiring yourself, how do you make use of this kind of task part of the hiring process? And um, what kind of assignments have you set before? Yeah, I so I, I generally set um, 
one of two assignments, depending on the level I'm hiring for. So if I'm hiring for an individual contributor, then I'll ask them assignment about effect like you're assessing some product flow and that's almost always on an onboarding flow so they can actually go through it um, in a reasonable time frame and then asking for some improvements over it and what i'm looking for there is like you know do they understand the development process can they define the problem like think about some solutions prioritize them in some kind of sensible way you kind of like you get to go through the process and you get to see how they think about it, how they communicate it, how they, you know, how, how they reason, um, as well as just the amount of effort they've they've put in. And it's amazing the variation in kind of effort that people put into these presentations as well. And then for slightly more senior roles. So before you go into that, just mm. to, to clarify, you're not necessarily looking for the right answer on this again. You're looking for evidence of how they think and what they, and that they, can critically assess things. Is oh, yeah. that correct? Yeah. I mean, I, I've, so I have occasionally seen wrong answers effectively. So if someone's done like a great presentation on the onboarding and their only recommendation is, Hey, we should tweak the text here and here. And it's not even high value text that they're changing. This, this kind of feels like it's not the right answer. Um, I have seen copy changes that would be super impactful. That's kind of a different thing. Um, but yeah, it doesn't really matter what features they suggest or how they prioritize them. What you're looking for is they've actually thought about what do they think the main problems should be and they've prioritized and defined the problems. They've thought up some reasonable solutions that could solve those. And then they've thought about some kind of trade-off in terms of which of these should we do first and how are we going to prioritize these. Thanks. And then you were talking about for senior roles? Yeah, and for, for senior roles... I, I typically ask this kind of same question, how do you think about the strategy? And that'll be as specific as possible to the role and, and how would you structure the team? And that I found to be pretty effective even when I'm hiring people outside of product. So occasionally I've had you know, design or CRM or you know like other functions reporting into me and you can answer the same, ask the same questions and you know when you've got the right person, like same same way that you're you're you know hopefully you know you're presenting uh, yourself as a credible product leader because if you're hiring a design leader for the first time and you interview someone, they're like, hey, this is what a great design team looks like, and this is how you uh, build the team, and they're teaching you stuff that you don't know. Like that is probably a good hire. It doesn't test everything, um, but it, it, it's a a fairly good signal, I'd say, of, of that that they're going to add something to the organization. And how long do you expect the candidates to spend on the presentation? For individual contributor roles, I specify four hours. And I suspect that the really keen ones spend more like six to eight hours on it. And for a senior role, I expect they spend probably in the same range, but are also more likely to have off-the-shelf materials that they can they can use. So, and again, like, is that a significant amount of time? Yes, it clearly is. Um, I think that's not unreasonable for someone who you could potentially be working with for years. And this is a big investment on both sides. I've also done these presentations and in going through the presentation, realized that I didn't want the job because as I got through it, I was like, "Mm, I'm not sure the company strategy here actually all stacks up. So I think it does have value for 
the candidate as well to sort of think through what this is actually going to be like doing this this job and uh, do you have confidence in the mission and the, and the strategy and so on so just thinking about kind of people going through the process of applying for for different roles and potentially you know having to do a number of different presentations for different businesses do you is there any way that you kind of assess the needs of the individual candidate in terms of their capacity to spend that time on the assignment um if that makes sense like one thing I'm always in in my role like really wary of is not putting too much uh expectation on the amount of time that people you know need to spend on it I I try and like uh, more for like one to two hours <laughs> rather than sort of four to eight, just because, you know, I'm a parent um, and have a, a busy schedule with a podcast to, to do as well. So I kind of, um, <laughs> I'm always like slightly, you know, just wary, I guess, of um, asking people to to spend too much time on interview tasks, especially when you have a few different candidates and you know, you know, I don't know, there could be up to 10 at this stage, probably not that many, maybe five. Um, and so four of them are spending potentially up to a day, uh, you know, yeah. without actually getting the role. Well, I think like in, in by the time people are doing the presentation, they should have a, a fair shot of getting the role, which means that you shouldn't really set them the presentation if, unless, um, if they gave you a good enough answer they perform well enough in it you were ready to give them the role and and maybe there could be like one or two other people going through that process at the same time but it like four five like ten no way that that's that's unfair right so i think there does need to be some kind of understanding of what are their odds of getting the role and it should be kind of you know 30 percent, 50 percent type of thing um i mean i think both for the candidate's point of view like when you're looking for a job is also when you're looking for people to fill uh fill a role then it's very, very rare that you can do that, like what you're trying to do, which is get a whole bunch of people going through the process at the same time. Um, so typically you'll get batches of two or three people who come along and you know, maybe one to three of them will make it to the final round and you'll put them through the presentation and then one of them will get the role. Or if not, you'll then go on to like another phase and another batch of people who you've got to go through all the, the beginning rounds as well. So, um, and I, I think the other thing is I have had candidates who've kind of come into the interview, haven't said anything beforehand, which I think you could absolutely do, but I've turned up and said, I didn't have time to do this. And I've only done like the first couple of pages and that's actually been totally fine because even from the first, you know, few bits that they have done, you can start to see how you think they think, and you can then just talk through the rest of the presentation say okay well what will you've done next and what would be on the next and you can almost just like sketch it up as you go through and you can see their thought process in the same way interesting okay probably not something i would advise but <laughs> turning up without having done any of the work but <laughs> but i think that's a really important point as a you know on the on the kind of side of recruitment when you're when you're setting the assignments and when you're um assessing people that it's not about comparing different approaches or comparing the output of the assignment uh, with others. It's more about, you know, is the person's response good enough for them to then be hired? Does yeah. that make sense? Um, yeah, absolutely. So you'd only really take your top one 
or two people through. Um, yeah, and I, I think you know, as a as a hirer, I'm always feel like I'm in the corner of of the candidate. Like I want to make an offer. Like I want to get my role filled. I want this problem to be solved. And mm. um, you know, obviously, yeah, I don't want to hire the wrong person. That's not not great for me and not great for them. But I want to give them every opportunity to show me themselves at their best. Nice. That was really great, Ed. And I think on that note, <laughs> we should wrap up because we are at time. But thank you so much. It's been really great talking about this part of the process and, you know, of being a, a product person, unnecessary evil, or maybe it's not evil. Maybe some people enjoy <laughs> flying for jobs. Um, but yeah, a necessary part of the process for sure in developing your product career. Super. Well, again, thank you very much for, for having me on. It's been uh, a really fun, fun chat. And we should just remind people that the template for this deck is on Hustle Badger. So where do people find that, Ed? Uh, I will give you a link to go in the show notes if you have them, or you can go on hustlebadger.com and uh, you'll look in the in the strategy section. There's a, there's a template on how to build a strategy, which is a core part of the presentation along with all kinds of other useful stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. Super. Thanks very much. The Product Experience is the first and the best podcast from Mind the Product. Our hosts are me, Lily Smith. And me, Randy Silver. Lou Ron Pratt is our producer and Luke Smith is our editor. Our theme music is from Hamburg-based band POW. That's P-A-U. Thanks to Arnie Kittler, who curates both Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg, and who also plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. You can connect with your local product community via Product Tank, regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide. If there's not one near you, maybe you should think about starting one. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank. <laughs>